Hello and welcome back to our daily devotional podcast. Today I want to talk about a very difficult, prickly subject on submission to authority. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 22, verse 15 to 22. Matthew 22, verse 15 to 22. Let us pray. Father, speak to us your truths that even when your truths are not palatable to us and they touch sore points within our lives, we ask, Lord, that your your reasonableness, your gentleness, your goodness will appeal to us, that you teach us to submit to our authorities, to respect those placed over us. Allow us to understand your word as we read it and as we meditate on it. As we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 22, 15-22 Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent the disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. We aren't swayed by, you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing the evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Herodians and the Pharisees thought they had Jesus cornered. Pharisees and Herodians were very different sects, and they were often at odds with each other. But they had one thing in common. They believed in self-rule. They believed in removing the Roman government and ruling by themselves. The Pharisees were looking forward to a Messiah from the line of David who would then be their ruler. The Herodians, on the other hand, did not have such lofty dreams or ideals. They were looking for Herod or someone from the line of Herod to be their king. Basically, many of the Herodians were uh, noblemen from, um, from the court, from Herod's court. They were not Romans, but they were of noble birth and uh, high pedigree. And so they wanted their own king or his line to be king. Be that as it may, both Pharisees and Herodians wanted the Romans out of their country and out of their lives. So when they came and asked Jesus whether he should pay the imperial tax, it wasn't just a question of money. It was a question of allegiance. Who do you swear allegiance to? And they knew then that they were very confident then that they had Jesus trapped. If Jesus said that they should give their allegiance to Caesar, what that meant then was that would be that he was blaspheming against God. God is king, God is God, God should be the ruler. How can the teacher from God, a prophet from God, 
claim then or concede then that the Roman emperor should have his allegiance. They would have accused him of blasphemy or at the very least, it would have discredited Jesus' witness that Jesus was a son of God, claimed to be the son of God. How could the son of God then give allegiance to the Roman emperor? But if Jesus were to say, no, you must never give allegiance to Caesar, then that would be treason. They could easily, quietly recorded what he said or gotten witnesses, gone to the Roman authorities, even though they were against Roman authorities. They had no probably had no qualms about going to the Roman authorities and saying to them, hey, this man Jesus, he's saying that you should not have any allegiance to the emperor at all. You should not pay your taxes to the emperor. And that would have killed Jesus. Either way, they thought they had won. But Jesus' answer flawed them. He asked for a coin, and then he said, asked them, whose inscription, whose face is on that coin? They said, Caesar's. And so Jesus said, Give to Caesar whatever belongs to Caesar, and to God whatever belongs to God. What Jesus was saying, without actually saying that they owe their allegiance to Caesar, was that if your property, if your own lives, if the country you live in now belongs to Caesar, then you've got to give him whatever is his due. Jesus didn't have to say that you owe Caesar your allegiance, that you must embrace him, that you must follow everything his way and, and say that he is king and proclaim that he is king of all. don't have to do that. But at the very least, if the money belongs to Caesar, then you've got to pay your rightful taxes and give him what belongs to him. This must have come as a very hard teaching to the disciples as well. The disciples had looked to Jesus as God. He would be the one who would rule. And yet, he was asking them to submit to Caesar, to give to Caesar their respect, whatever was due to him. And having done that, he would still be king of kings, and they would still be serving God, the king of all creation. I think it must have taken a long time for Peter and the disciples to process this, to figure out what this meant to accept and embrace this teaching. After they had seen how Jesus was crucified cruelly by his own people, but also by the Romans, how he died the Rome, in the Roman way, Roman way for the worst of criminals, how the Romans bullied the Jews and the Christians. After they had looked at all of these, Peter was still convinced that at the end of the day, they could serve God and they could still respect the emperor. And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, and I want you to listen to this very carefully. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 21 Peter deals with this very, very difficult subject of submission to authority. You see, the Christians then were having an even worse time than at Jesus' time. 
This was after Jesus had resurrected and had ascended to heaven. And the Christians were being very badly persecuted by the Romans and by others, the governors and whoever was above them. And the question then was, do we fight back? Do we show disrespect? There's still the same question that the Pharisees and the Herodians asked. Do you have, give allegiance or respect and honour to your masters, your earthly masters, the emperors and the governors? It was a very difficult question because truly, really, the Romans were very wicked. They were harsh on the Christians. They were hurting the Christians badly. But this is what Peter wrote to them. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 to 21. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the Emperor. Slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. Now this was would have been a really, really difficult teaching for the Christians then. And to us as well, it will be a very difficult teaching. For what Peter was saying is that the authority of God is not in direct confrontation with the authority of the emperor. Rather, for the Lord's sake, out of your love for God, as a slave of God, submit yourselves to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him. To respect, to honour, the emperor and the governors was not to go against God. It was not blasphemy against God. In fact, it would be out of reverence, out of love for God, that they were called to respect and honour the emperor. Peter made it very clear. The role of a Christian then was to be circumspect without reproach to the emperor. And why was that necessary? Because, as he says in verse 15, it is God's will that by doing good you should silence ignorant talk of foolish people. What was important to God is that there will be no unnecessary 
false talk, false accusations against Christians. God's desire is that every person come to know Him. Of course, there would be times when the very um, obstinate, very stubborn ones would not want to know God. But God wants us to remove any possibility of people accusing Christians wrongly because Christians did not live right before the emperor, before the authority. He didn't want Christians to be labelled as rebels or rabble-rousing people. He didn't want Christians to be accused of being disobedient, of being violent, of instigators, of riots, of strikes, of opposition to the emperor. What God wanted was that Christians live peaceably, to live beyond reproach, so that nothing, wherever possible, nothing evil could be said of the Christians. Of course, the evil people could still conjure up and make up stories about them, but at least they would not have any evidence of wrongdoing. They would not have any evidence that Christians misbehaved themselves. And then Peter said something more. He said that sometimes, or maybe even often, we use our freedom as Christians. We say that we serve only God just to disobey our earthly, our earthly masters. That it was actually an excuse, a cover-up to be disobedient, to do whatever we want. And Peter warned the Christians not to do that. We live in a culture of opposition, a culture of confrontation, a culture of direct opposition to those we do not like. So often, we, we, we are influenced by the strikes in the West, that whenever people did not like what the government was doing, what the institutions were doing, they would go on strike. And it seems like a just, just strike. After all, if the authorities are not being fair to people, then the first thing we do is to fight them. But could we learn that there might be another way? And it is not, not one way or the other. It is not about obeying the authorities, meaning that we do not love our brethren, but rather that we could do both. Which is why Peter says, in verse, verse 17, show respect to everyone, love the family of believers. And that was important. Fear God, honour the emperor. In all of these, there was seeming contradiction. Show proper respect to everyone, honour the emperor. How do you do that while still fearing God and loving the family of believers? But Peter saw no contradiction in that. That one could still love one's own fellow believers, even when they were ill-treated by the emperor, even though they were unfairly dealt with by those in power, you could still love them and yet respect those in authority and honour the emperor. Christian then has to learn to balance each of these. The balance being just and right before the bosses those in authority, and caring and loving before those like them who suffer under bad masters. I find it 
very hard balance to take. And yet I need to learn how to do this. When my wife and I were working in prison fellowship, we dealt very we dealt a lot of times, most of the time with prison authorities. We dealt with the senior authorities, we also dealt with policies that we hated. Often there were just we just saw things very differently. The prison saw security as primary, we saw rehab as primary, and often these did not mix. And yet we learned that rather than fighting the office officers and the government directly opposing them, it helped so much when we came quietly and listened to how they felt, listened to what their concerns were, and having understood the concerns, worked towards helping them as well. We learned how to persuade the officers that it would help security so much more if we were able to make the prisoners happy in certain ways, and that it would benefit that our ideas were not inconvenience the officers or make life more difficult for them, but rather it would help them in their work. In doing that, we were able to work together to find solutions. The prison saw us as their loyal partners rather than as people working against them. Another area would be working with our bosses. I think most of us gripe about our bosses. I read a survey that probably about 90% of us have had bad bosses or having bad bosses. Largely because bosses and us have different goals, different priorities. Bosses have one set of priorities. We have another set. And both our, author- our priorities often do not meet. And hence, disagreements, opposition confrontation. But I've learned that the first thing we do is to listen to our bosses, to find out what their concerns are, and then work with them and help them to understand what our concerns are, that somewhere along the way we may find a better solution. I remember when I was a young lawyer, I was very disturbed at how my boss used to charge high fees from his clients. Many of his clients had no money or little money and uh, well actually they knew what they were com- getting into but I still felt that the fees were unusual, were unfairly high. And I wanted to oppose my boss until I sat down and did some sums and realized that while I was an employee guaranteed of my salary, my boss had to pay all the overheads the rental, all his staff, make sure that I got my salary. And then I realized then that I had no right to oppose him and, and give cheaper and, and bill lower against my boss's wishes. At the end, my, my conclusion was this, that I could either quit the firm and start my own or join another one that did not charge as much as much, why could keep quiet and learn from him and respect him and understand how he had to balance his accounts and, and then if at the end I became the boss I could do something differently but I learned that I had no right to judge my boss while I was getting my pay another alternative was that I could use part of my salary and help the clients pay 
and if I wasn't prepared to do such a silly thing, then I could not expect my boss to do that either. But you see, each of us has to first honour our superiors and those in authority. We need to listen to what their needs are to understand where they are coming from. And then we work with them. I believe that when we hold this attitude towards our bosses, a respectful attitude towards them, much can improve in our relationships with them. But most of all, we do this to honour God. We serve God by serving those in authority. We honour God by honouring those in authority. Of course, ultimately, there will be times when we will have to stand our ground. Many martyrs have stood their ground and have been executed. But I believe that we need to pick our fights very carefully. Pick only the most crucial fights. And then we may quit, we may get killed, whatever other consequences there may be. But let there never be any evidence of foul play on our part any evidence of deceit or bullying, that we may always be beyond reproach, even when false accusations are levelled against us. This is a hard teaching, and we need then to pray and ask God to speak to us, to guide us. But from what I see in the Word of God, and what Jesus taught, and from what Peter subsequently taught, I think it is quite clear that we serve God by respecting and honouring those in authority. Let us pray. Father, speak into our hearts, that you may tame our hearts and our minds. For often there is indignation, there is unrest, there is anger. We want to fight those who are unjust, those who bully others, we want to fight those in authority who have not given others what is their due. But Father, teach us how to do this wisely, that in all our dealings we may be circumspect without reproach. In all our dealings we may fear you and see you as the ultimate authority. And therefore that each of our actions may be done in godly ways. Teach us also to respect and honour those in authority, whether we like them or not. Teach us to seek to work with them, to understand what their needs are, what their priorities are. And then, Lord, to see how we can help them to be kinder and more just to others. But in the process, Lord, teach us how to love our brethren also, not to do so, not to obey our bosses by betraying those with us, but that we can love our brethren and work with those in authority as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all for today. But I think I've left with you quite a bit to chew over and to pray and to wrestle with God what is the right thing to do. Have a blessed day. Goodbye.